0: Thank you for listening to this talk produced by the Art Gallery of South Australia.
1: Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Rebecca Evans and I am the Gallery's Curator of Decorative Arts and Design. And I also had the very great pleasure of being a judge for the Ramsey Art Prize 2020. We are joined by a very, very special guest this afternoon for our Lunchtime Talk series, Kate Bohannis, who is the winner of the Ramsey Art Prize 2020. I'd like to start by acknowledging that today we stand on Ghana land and I'd like to pay my respects to Elders past, present and emerging. I should also start by saying that Kate's winning work for the Ramsey Art Prize 2020 is not in this gallery, but is in fact in Gallery 8, which is next door, adjacent to this gallery. Um, So I would hope and I would assume that everyone... (coughs) in the room has had a chance to see the work, but we are in fact standing in front of Tom Polo's um, painting behind us, which is a a wonderful backdrop for us to have. Very lucky to be standing in front of his uh, wonderful blue hues. I would like to just start by giving like a little bit of background to the Ramsey Art Prize, and then we're going to have a wonderful conversation. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm sure you want to hear from Kate, not me, and hear her words and her winning work, but the Ramsey Art Prize was established in the name of South Australia's leading cultural philanthropists, James and Diana Ramsey. The Ramsey Art Prize is an acquisitive art prize for contemporary Australian artists age under 40, presented by the Art Gallery of South Australia and supported in perpetuity by the James and Diana Ramsey Foundation. The Ramsey Art Prize is held every two years with the winning work being acquired into our collection. The 2021 prize is in its third iteration. And as you can see around us, it features a very wide range of materials, techniques and processes. In 2017, the prize went to Sarah Kontos with her incredible textile work, The Long Kiss Goodbye. In 2019, Vincent Namanjira won with his portrait, titled Close Contact, which is in Gallery 7. Um, I'm sure you all saw it as you either came in through the Western entrance or up the stairs. And in 2021, we are absolutely delighted to celebrate the work uh, and the artist Kate Bohannes with her winning kinetic sculpture, Edges of Excess. Thank you so much for coming in today. I'm sure that we will continue to ask you to come in and be involved in the gallery in lots of different ways. You're now part of almost part of the the furniture of the gallery. That's good. I'm very
0: happy. Thank you.
1: (laughs) One of the overarching themes, I think, through all of the finalist works and something that I'm particularly interested in in contemporary practice generally is this kind of idea of making and processes of making and the power of making. And as we were going through all of the finalist works for the judging process, one of the things that really stuck in my mind, um, particularly in your work, is processes of making. And um, I understand that you fabricated the entire work yourself, which is quite fascinating. I would love if you could share kind of the different processes for making and the different because there are lots of components mm. to your sculpture.
0: Yes, absolutely. Yeah, for me, within my practice, processes of making is very important. Um, I'm quite new to metal fabrication. I've only been doing it for the last two and a bit years. But I work from a workshop that's predominantly metal fabrication, which has really sort of sped forward my learning. Yes, yeah, so in the work, uh, we have the, the beans, those sort of aluminium shiny beans that are holding up the silicon and they are formed from um, plaster that I had hand mold like hand sanded down to make these sort of supportive molds and then had them, uh, cast into aluminium, so they're now solid aluminium forms that are about 25 kilos each. And then once they came back, they were quite scruffy and they looked quite severe and industrial, I suppose. And I then took an angle grinder and took them from about, I think, 40 or 80 grit to 5,000 to make them the sort of polished mirror finish. And then the silicon is from a single pore of silicon which is a four meter long mold that I then use some three pigments to create the color and then cut into the form to sort of create this muscular or um, sort of a hacked skin sort of feel and the stainless steel arm um, is... Made the, the base is made from two plates, the inside of the work is hollow so that it's able to continue its movement so it's not too heavy. And I welded that together and then sort of brought it back to a resolve of having the, the blade underneath and this, the sort of soft radius on top, which is very important for me. Could you...
1: Because, I mean, the, the most, I think, intriguing part of the work is the pendulum Mm. and the way the pendulum moves. It is completely mesmerising, but also creates this wonderful soundscape, Mm. um, which almost very haunting soundscape in many ways. Um, And what I find particularly interesting in the development of the work, which you developed in 2020, is your collaborations with mechanical engineers and mm. some of the resolution and processes you went through to come to the final the final work.
0: Yes, um, so and I tried to make a pendulum in 2018 and I was doing it essentially on my own in a studio in Port Adelaide that I was sort of borrowing from a friend for some time to make a show and I was using electromagnets and coils and this sort of like little chipboard and essentially I had no idea what I was doing and was very quickly trying to create like perpetual motion, which is impossible. And so I, I had to let go of that um, idea then and it sort of, in my mind, I felt like it was never going to be possible and put it at the back of my brain. And it was in being invited to be a part of the ACE Open survey and sort of given the opportunity to make an ambitious work, that I was uh, brought back to the idea of the pendulum and was talking to people in the studio, David McMurray and Lachlan Forrest, and we were just having a beer and chatting about what I might do, and I was saying like, oh, well, once upon a time, I tried to make this pendulum, it was a disaster. I don't know if it's possible for me to do this again, but this sort of sounds fun, not thinking that it was an invitation at the time for them to make it with me, and they really locked on and have been the whole way with me. And so it's been quite an interesting journey. You know, we, I think, started that from when I found out about the survey, which was 2019. And, you know, I was putting down parameters of the things that I wanted. I wanted it to swing in a certain way, and I wanted it to have a certain speed and duration in its period. And it was always sort of a wrestle between these, you know, incredible, sort of mathematical and like engineering brains and like computer tech wizard stuff that I don't understand. Um, and me sort of like pushing against that and, you know, them saying, these are the rules and this is what we, it must be. And me just having a, a bit of like a, an airy fairy brain and be like, well, but I want more, I want more. And sort of pushing and they were pushing back and we eventually came to the point that we're at today, which yeah, it was a lot of negotiating in between, <laughs> lots of tears all around.
1: <laughs> I also feel that, uh, and I, have a, I know a few engineers in my life, that to give them a problem like that is just something that makes their heart beat very fast. And they get very excited. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> I can see how that relationship went down. I I mean, the interesting thing, and you talk about the tension between working with the engineers and your artistic vision and negotiating that, I mean, the whole work is about tension. Mm. I mean, I look at the way that, you know, the, the form is... The silicon form is slummed, the blade ever so closely coming towards that silicon form and then almost you know i can see that the, those bean shapes we call them a kind of call them giant coffee bean shape forms <laughs> uh, suspended with the chains and they almost look like at any given moment they could the whole thing could just fall to the ground it is all about tension the work
0: yeah, it is. And I mean, that's also why I decided to have it all suspended. You know, the beans holding up the silicon that's being held by the chains and the pendulum obviously suspended from above, traveling through these, these objects and this sort of obstacle that very quickly could become an obstacle and could, with any sort of invitation or um, interruption from its environment or from the people around it, could completely self-destruct. Um, That was a very important part of the work for me, to have this sort of functioning machine that's on the verge of destruction if it were invited or pushed to do so. Yeah.
1: Now, you talked about um, kind of your quest to create a pendulum, which is something that you've been working towards for a a couple of years now. Um, I would love you to touch on kind of the reference points for the pendulum and where that comes from.
0: Uh, Yeah, the pendulum for me mostly comes from childhood experience. I grew up with my mother here in South Australia and she is a very spiritual woman and worked at that time as like a a clairvoyant and a life coach. Um, So we had lots of methods in our house that seemed very normal at the time of how to understand ourselves and our relationships to the people around us and sort of navigate. Our own lives and bodies, um, and and in that we would use a pendulum. Um, so we used a pendulum as this sort of tool of divination, um, where we would sort of either be healing our bodies, centering ourselves, or be asking the pendulum questions of where we should go, what we should do, how we should feel. Um, and I mean, it was I found it very alluring. I, I remember, you know, starting to use this tool from like five years old onwards. And I think, you know, it, it offers something that is very intriguing and very rewarding, but just with anything, if you start to overuse the tool, then it starts sort of... then, then it's in control, and essentially, that's what happened. I, for myself at least, I felt like I became too dependent in this sort of growing, this you know, formative period of my life on using something like this to understand who I was and what I wanted to do. Um, and we sort of were using it for certain decisions that perhaps we shouldn't be, you know, like we moved to England on the pendulum, or we, we you know, I would change schools, or do all of these sorts of things. Yes, yeah, so I think it was the primary sort of moments in my life of understanding the, uh, how not to be so attracted to something that has a promise of reward in some way, and to be able to have a safe relationship with these sorts of tools.
1: I have child memories of you know those pendulums on chains being used to determine whether a pregnant woman was having a boy or a girl i remember them being quite fashionable in the 1990s but it's interesting kind of the the decision making qualities they have it's almost this this human desire we have at times to de-intellectualize our brains Mm. and hand over to some other power or higher order to make decisions for us and kind of this release from the decision-making processes. I think there's something that, you know, is very inherently human and kind of that just blank that we sometimes need Mm. and the pendulum is also so mesmerising and your work, you know, when you look at the sculpture and you just, you know, you kind of hand yourself over a little bit because Mm. of the calm and kind of some of the peace that you get from just meditating on the movement of the work, and yet watching it, you do build up this great sense of anxiety. (laughs) What's going to happen? You know, is it going to hit the silicon form? Is it going to, you know, how far is it going out? It's all, it's really interesting that kind of the tension between the intellect and sort of the letting go of that.
0: Yes, yes, absolutely.
1: I mean, we don't, I don't mean to kind of pat ourselves on the back too much, but the work and winning the Ramsey Art Prize is a fantastic South Australian uh, story for support of the arts. You originally created the work for Ace Open mm. in 2020, and you were able to do that through a commission fee that they supported you and also an Art South Australia grant. Would you talk
0: about that? Thanks. Yes, absolutely. Yes, I mean, I think... I, I've been fortunate in that there were many sort of stages up until winning the Ramsey where you know you can sort of see the lines of support and the trajectory that you run through that sort of gets you towards a certain moment that without that accumulation or without that moment you know sometimes it feels like it's erratic and things are happening everywhere and it becomes not pointless but you know I think as an artist it can feel somewhat you can feel lost in the in the this huge community and what you're wanting to do and not knowing if you're following the right path, for example. And so, yeah, I think it was quite a nice moment, obviously winning, but sort of seeing, you know, I'd been exhibiting for a little while and being invited to be a part of this uh, survey with Ace Open was quite a big moment for me in um, sort of being awarded this trust to execute a work uh, that was... You know, put forward as, as an opportunity to make something that's completely ambitious that is either new or an extension of your practice and then being paid for your time in doing that that <laughs> seems like a mundane part of it but of course it, it doesn't happen all that often particularly as an emerging artist you're essentially volunteering for a long time um, and having to sort of hustle and get money and do the things that you can to show you know, these, these minor sort of explosions of your work. Um, and so yeah, that was obviously the moment that I decided to do the pendulum and went for an arts essay grant. And that then, you know, I think the materials alone were over, you know, $10,000 $10, to make the work. So all of it wouldn't, would not have been possible without the funding. Yeah, and I mean, even in getting into George Street, that was a Helpman Academy residency that began my metal fabrication, Yeah,
1: so it's all connected. Yeah, I first saw your work in the end of 2016 when I had the opportunity to judge for the Helpman exhibition Um, and we selected your work titled The Line, um, which was in that exhibition. So um, it's wonderful to have the opportunity to to come and judge another prize and um, select you first as a finalist and then as the winner. You know, one of the things I I think lots of people want to know about is, you know, what does that, what does it mean? I mean, it goes without saying that artists don't always have the opportunity to be remuneratively supported Mm. (laughs) in fair ways for their work. They're largely undervalued, but winning the prize uh, is obviously life-changing and um, in ways you probably don't know yet. (laughs) I hope not, but I'd love you to talk about that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's obviously exceptionally exciting. I wasn't expecting to win at all, and was also quite comfortable in that. (laughs) I'm very comfortable to accept it too, but... um (laughs) In not winning, you know, I thought that that's okay, I've done enough and it feels good. And yeah, I think there certainly is an element of... um, of, you know, not knowing, of uncertainty of what it will bring. Uh, But as far as it stands now, I feel... It's very affirming. It's I think it's an amazing show. There's so, so many incredible artists that are here, and it, you know, being a part of, being an Axa as well, like coming here as a child, it's it means a lot to me to be showing in this building, and be showing to a new to a new platform of audience that otherwise, I don't know when that would have happened. You know, I think that's the brilliance of having the prizes, under 40, but have some parameters, I guess, but you know, that engages an emerging artist in a different way, which I think is very rewarding. And, yeah, and, I mean, in terms of um, the financial element, I think it's, (laughs) you know, often my my yearly earnings are incredibly (laughs) low, so much that I feel like my bank might call me and ask if there's some fraudulent activity once it (laughs) comes into the account, you know. So I think it just it gives me a sense of security and an ability to continue working and knowing that you know with everything that you put out you can be supported back and for me i don't feel like there's there's nothing else i would rather do and i'd rather sort of risk it all and just keep on going and having that sort of feedback and that embrace i suppose is quite is quite nourishing yes yeah.
1: I was looking through the photographs that were taken by our photographer for the media event and there's this great series of photos that he took of Kate as kind of she's realising she's the winner. And the first one is this wonderful quizzical look where she's like, what? (laughs) And then slowly the smile comes out and it gets bigger and bigger and then there are some prayers and then anyway, it's this beautiful series of photographs. I love them. (laughs) I'm going to send them to you. But I think that we might take some questions. Mm,
0: Absolutely. Yeah, this is my first kinetic work. Yeah, aside from trying to make that work in the past, this is the first moving piece that I've made. And I think, yeah, I mean, in my work, I do try and make things sort of as simple in in their appearance as possible to allow the materials and the sort of feeling to speak. I know there's other ways of doing it, but that's, that's how I communicate. And I think yeah, I mean, it's not something that I always do, the kinetics, particularly because it's really hard, but it's, I think it's an exciting change for me within making, yes. And, yes, yeah, certainly not possible without David and Lachlan. Any other questions for Kate? Uh, yes, yeah, so I have a um, project... I have an exhibition next month at Station Gallery in Melbourne called Fill Me Up and Make Me Useful, and that's about gender politics and body politics and sort of working within different fields as a queer woman. So yeah, that opens on the 17th of July. And then I have a first collaborative show with my best friend who's also an artist, Kate Power. She's brilliant and this is our first time collaborating, uh, which is very exciting. And so that will be in Brisbane at Outer Space in August and then Uh, In November, I have a solo show in Sydney at Coma Gallery. So yeah, it's a a busy year, but that's good. (laughs) I I studied printmaking in my bachelor year and was specialising in screen printing and lino um, and relief. And a lot of those prints, some of them were quite large, I guess, by a print understanding, but a lot of them were not. But yeah, it was in my honours year that I started moving towards metal and sculpture installation and without meaning to, it just suddenly got very big. Almost with every show I make, I tell myself next time I'm, I'm going to make it small, make it easy and then I just go bigger. So I don't know. I've lost control.
1: <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for um, having me. Yeah, thank you everyone. mean, um, thank you, congratulating Kate. <laughs>